When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, I have, you know him, you love him. It's Raptors Republic's own Louis Zatzman. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun. Last time I was on, um, just, a, just a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Oh, well, I always appreciate it. You actually bailed me out. I had another guest tell me they were sick. And then I messaged you at like 10 p.m. last night during the Clippers game being like, please, please be on my show. So I appreciate it a lot. Also, it really helped that the Raptors had a West Coast game because I knew all you guys were up (laughs) and watching basketball that I could message you that late. So, yeah, that really worked out. Being awake. Having a kid totally changes West Coast games. Mm. Three years ago, I loved West Coast games. I was awake. I'm going to watch them. Mm. You know, like I'm up anyway. Nowadays, when I'm getting up at 7 a.m. anyway, I curse whoever invented time zones, whoever invented California, just the whole, (laughs) it's awful. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. I remember once I was working out in uh, Nova Scotia and they're half an hour ahead and i was watching this like west coast game and then it went into overtime and i was like losing my mind because i was like i really want to watch this game but it's like 1 a.m and this game is still happening and then i was just a mess the next day at work yeah i think you mean an hour i'm from nova scotia oh they're an hour ahead it's newfoundland that's a half hour oh yeah 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 okay there we go a demand of confederation they were like we're not joining the country okay so you know my my apologies east coast canada (laughs) my apologies um you're not forgiven i'm not forgiven no the east coast doesn't forget okay well uh thanks for joining me this week lewis (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah the west coast games can be tough um we're gonna get into all of that later during our raptors segment uh we're gonna get into fred's uh rant about the refs for sure uh but first we gotta start with some big nba news and that is kevin durant went down last night during a pre-game warm-up uh as of this recording we're still trying to figure out exactly what's happening he's having an mri later today people are saying it's going to be four to six weeks but i don't think that's been quite official yet but it does sound like he'll probably be out for the rest of the regular season this was supposed to be his first home game in phoenix so that's pretty heartbreaking news just as an nba fan because you want to see someone like kevin durant healthy and competing and considering this trade that they just made and and all the assets they gave up to have kevin durant this is gonna uh, you know what an emotional roller coaster for phoenix suns fans three and oh since they traded for him and he's looked un- just like staggeringly good um, yeah, it sucks because 
they don't really have the roster anymore equipped to super survive without him. Like they uh, were not really that good from the trade deadline on. They lost a lot of games yeah. before Durant got there. Um, like a lot of games. So, you know, they're, they're not, I don't think they're going to enter the, the, the playoffs with a really good seed anymore. They're now, um, they're where, fourth, where they they're fourth currently. Yeah. They're fourth currently. I could see them falling. Right. Uh, I know this is like the 151st most important thing, probably lower than that. I <laughs> was working on a piece for Durant um, for 538 that, was I like it was mostly done um, just about how oh, they changed his game. Um, it was in it was like a two part series with Kyrie Irving, just about how teams implement stars and like how you you know you ask them to change their game or you change their system or they were sort of contrasting. And uh, so yeah, that sucks. That's you know the the piece obviously uh, might be changed, probably going to be scrapped depending on the injury news, but. Uh, you know, oh, that, that sucks. Important income, also just like lost time. So, you know, clearly not as important as it is for for the Suns or for the staff or even for Phoenix fans, but just somewhere somewhere way down the line in importance. That sucks. You know, I, I understand it, though, because so in November, I went to L.A. for a bit and I was meeting up with this uh, with a, a, a basketball writer and we were going to like hang out and all this stuff. And then like Kyrie Irving's like anti-Semitic rants go off. And then suddenly this guy's like, actually, like, I can't. <laughs> like no this guy ruined my plans yeah isn't that the most important part about his anti-semitic <laughs> your plan well, the thing he about ruined it is my plans we can only filter events through the prism of our experience like we have empathy of course but we don't have hive mind like we can't understand things through other people we can try to but we can't actually do it and so as much as we offer empathy uh, you know, we the understanding is only through ourselves. So um, it matters to you, of course, that it ruined your plans, and and it should matter because you are you and your. Oh, plans thank are yours. you, thank you. No, but I mean, in all seriousness, like with with Durant, like it does really suck, and I do feel like this season has. I mean, like a lot of seasons, but it just really feels like a lot of teams have been deeply impacted by injuries. Like now we have this whole Phoenix Suns thing, but you also have like Zion with the Pelicans uh, who's still out and, you know, Lonzo Ball uh, needing another surgery on his knee. So he it, last I read is that he's going to be out for another six months after that surgery happens. So, I mean, we already knew he was out for the season anyways, but that just means he's not going to have the summer to, you know, regain that strength. Like he's going to have to do that as the season starting. So, yeah, I mean, that's just heartbreaking news as always. And and yeah, I mean, it does absolutely affect their championship status because we went from they're the favorite suddenly uh, to not like I don't know if that's what you were writing in your piece. Was it after the Dallas game? No, so it was, it was just about like how some teams, when they get a star, change the whole structure of the team to to match that. Whereas the Suns were just kind of saying, "You're just going to do what Bridges did, but instead of Mikhail Bridges, you're Kevin Durant." Right, and it was really interesting because he was touching the ball way less than he was in Brooklyn. 
Um, he was running fewer pick and rolls. He had way fewer isolations. Like they just, they were not changing the structure of the team at all. But because he's Kevin Durant, it just doesn't matter. He's just so good. Hmm. You don't need to change the structure. If you only give him a couple touches, he's still so valuable that, like, he was shooting, like, he had a 70% effective field goal percentage. He was just making every shot he took, even if it wasn't a lot of shots. So, no, it's just about how you implement a new player. But honestly, I did see them as probably the champion or the, the, the West, the favorite out of the West. And mm-hmm. now, if they, like, let's say they sink, maybe they have to face, uh, you know, a team like, actually, I don't know. The West isn't that good. As long as you don't fall to eighth, as long as you don't have to play Denver in the first round and you have time for him to come back, you still have a chance. But, uh, I mean, you're going to, somebody's going to get Sacramento um, in second or third, some low ranked seed. Which is wild. They are second in the West right now. And Sacramento is really good, but because they don't have playoff experience, whoever's going to face Sacramento rather than Denver is going to be like thanking their lucky stars, you know? Right. Um, I completely agree. And yeah, I mean, also too, we don't know how long he's going to be out. So like he could be back for the first round or, you know, maybe the second round. Like we don't know Mm -hmm. the severity of it just yet. But if it's four to six weeks, then, yeah, he would be back for a second round. So you're absolutely right. They just need to be able to kind of like hold down this yeah. fort for as long as they can and, and pray for a decent first round matchup. I mean, right now, four five is the Warriors. So yeah. that would be bad, I think. <laughs> that, that would be bad. That you would be bad. Want, I mean, I know they don't, don't have a good Warriors. road record and that's baffled many, including myself, but yeah, that would be bad. So, yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. But it's just wild how this keeps uh, twisting and turning. And uh, I just had to I had to mention it. Um, also, this past week, some, you know, wild news about John Morant. We've all seen it, I'm sure. But he had a gun at a Colorado nightclub and he posted it on IG as young guys do. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he now he's been suspended for several games. I've been uh, reading this morning that it's another four games. I don't know if that's subject to change or not. Um, But really, I think what's most important here is that there's been a pattern of behavior with John Morant um, that has been revealed more or less in the last week. So in the summer, there was an incident at a mall where he brought like eight of his friends to uh, some security guards because his mom was having some trouble. Um, And details on that are not totally clear as to, you know, like what kind of trouble was his mom having at the mall, stuff like that. I I don't know. Um, There's a second incident where he allegedly beat up a teen, a 17 year old at a pickup game, uh, which only came to light recently because now there's a lawsuit about it. Um, And then of course there was the laser that was pointed at a Pacers bus. So this is now four incidences total since the summer that we know about. And, you know, I think it's good that John Moran is taking the time, you know, like I thought his statement, I'm pretty cynical when it comes to these statements personally, but I will say I, you know, it was the right thing to do and it was the right thing to say. There is self accountability in the statement and that's important. And, 
you know, as uh, as Drake says, you know, he says no new friends, but I think that's easier when you come from Forest Hill. <laughs> it's possible John Morant needs new friends, you know, uh, I'm saying maybe I don't know exactly who his friends are. I don't think they listen to this podcast, but it's possible. I think he needs to start surrounding himself with uh, better people that are looking out for him and uh, his best interests. Yeah. Um, so there's so many things that tie up you know when we talk about celebrity uh and like you know um moral judgment of actions um i think the first take i always have is that we shouldn't the concept of mythology and celebrity and and idolizing people is ridiculous anyway and we just shouldn't look to celebrities as icons as virtue like as a virtuous people by virtue of celebrity um you know uh ties into the the protestant ethic to make it sort of nerdy which is where the concept of um your 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 situation in life is a reflection of your inner circumstances your soul like rich people should be uh, are better because they're rich uh, and I think that everyone sees that as ridiculous, you know, like we're well beyond that. We're not in the 1600s anymore, but a lot of that hasn't left us. We do, of course, like North America is extraordinarily influenced by um, Protestant ethics in many, many ways. And I do think we do see celebrities as like better um, or at least worth listening to. And I really push back against that. And, you know, we're talking about, about Kyrie Irving earlier. And I, you know, I, I'm Jewish. I, I didn't really care, first of all, because I don't care what Kyrie Irving thinks. Like he said about the media, um, uh, like I shouldn't have to talk to pawns or like, you know, I'm too important for, I honestly think that way about, like as I have a, a master's <laughs> in history, I really, tr I trust my own brain. I think a lot about, about philosophical things. And I just, I haven't gotten any indication that Kyrie Irving is um, someone who is worth my time debating concepts. I just don't care what he thinks about Jews. It doesn't, like, obviously it matters to the world because a lot of people do. And so there's impact, right? But in a, in a perfect world, it just doesn't matter because his opinion is unimportant. Um, now, I, I do want to emphasize... He's a like he's done a lot of good. Obviously, his his contributions to charity are huge. That doesn't make you an intellectual, though. Um, those are very different. And so, so to make it about John Morant, because that's a huge God. This is I'm really dragging on. Uh, I'm sorry to it. make it about John Morant, though. Um, he hasn't really committed any like crimes. Maybe he did by beating up a 17 year old, but the guy threw the ball at him for like I, he hasn't done anything that. Um, if my friend did, let's say, I would be like, I'm not like, I can't hang out with you. You're a bad person. Or So obviously I don't, I don't want people waving guns around in the strip club. Uh, I live in Canada. The States loves guns. A lot of people who are criticizing him, they have guns. They wave guns around for fun all the time at the shooting range or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't do that, but I understand there's differences in the way people live their lives. Um, and I don't look to John Morant as a person who I just don't care what he does on the weekend. Like, okay, if he's drinking a lot, 
I don't care because I don't, I, I just, I care about his basketball game. Um, that being said, if he's having a tough time uh, with, with alcoholism or whatever is being reported, you know, that sucks. I want him to be happy. And I, and I hope that he's able to find, you know, better because celebrity is really hard. Um, I don't think the human brain is equipped to handle celebrity. It's just crazy what it does to you. Uh, and so, you know, I hope he is well. Um, I think he, I think a lot of people are sort of, uh, a lot of like first take, you know, ESPN things have really, really blown out of proportion what he's doing. Um, the life he's like the slippery slope is considered a logical fallacy for a reason. And just because he might be on a path that you don't like, doesn't mean he's at the end of the path. Like, um, so, you know, John Morant obviously has had some, some, some rough, a rough go of it. He's had a lot of things that people look down on. Um, the laser pointer thing is insane. I, God, I wish there was a better explanation for that Yeah, with the Indiana coaches. Um, but ultimately, uh, I, like, I'm, I'm still happy to root for him. Kyrie Irving, I think, I, I, I'm not going to, like, I, I uh, would prefer if he didn't succeed as a Jew. Um, I think he was probably <laughs> overpunished professionally. I don't see why he was suspended, but like socially he should be getting booed probably for, for, for saying what he said, for promoting what he promoted. John Moran, I see no reason for fans to boo him, for example, you know? Um, well, I don't think they will. I don't think they're the same. Like, I, yeah, not, not, not at, all. at all. Not at all. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, hope he's doing well. Hope he comes back and plays basketball. The NBA is more fun, more exciting with him in it. Um, but we just, we know too much about celebrities and celebrities know too much about us. Like, you know, you're on Twitter, people at celebrities so much like, man, have thousands of fans who are betting on you to yell at you for like every shot you miss. That would screw up your brain, man. It's just hard. Life is hard. Even for people with all this money, life is hard. I think uh, you said a lot of great things here, and I think a lot you made of a lot of too. no uh, some nonsense, but a lot of great things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you make a lot of great points. I mean, I will say that with Jaw, like I think this social media post is probably the best thing that ever happened to him because a nobody got hurt, and mm -hmm. b it's important. Like I point. It's this, like I said, like that's a pattern. I'm sorry, but that those incidences, that's a pattern. And I think it's forced that pattern to stop in its tracks, hopefully, before it gets too far. Um, I want to believe that he sees this as a problem. You know, I really want to believe that because it is, a, this is a problem, you know, because you're, because even if you're not at, if you're not being violent, which, except for this kid during that game. We don't know. I don't think he has being violent, but being surround surrounding yourself with that is not good. Mm -hmm. It's just not. So it, yeah, I don't think anyone should boo him. He's not getting canceled. It's nothing like that. But I just think like this was ultimately good because it's, it's forced him to take some pause, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's worth mentioning. I think I saw the police said there's nothing to prosecute. Um, yeah, he's not being video. prosecuted because from what I understand in Colorado, you can carry guns, but you're not supposed to be under the influence, but there's no yeah. evidence that he was yep. under the influence. 
Which is an important point. If he didn't hurt anybody and he didn't break the law, it's like, it's clearly not something that we should aspire to. Like it's a, it's, it's weird. And it's, I mean, you're right. It's, 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 it, I mean, it's bad, but it's not like, it's not that bad. Like it's. No, but the totality of those multiple events yeah, yeah, everything that we know matter. of. Right. So that means there yeah. could be more that sure. we're not aware of. I mean, there could be, there might not be though. It's just like, you know, m- more than anything, I think. Um, he, the, it's important not to blow it out of proportion, and you're not doing that, by the way. Um, you you made a point of saying he didn't hurt anybody, which which is really good and important to say. Um, I just think a lot of a lot of the um, uh, conversation around it has been as if he did, or um, mm. as if he was going to jail for a long. Like none of that has happened, right? That's. I thought it was weird when the police were like, oh, we're investigating this now. I felt like they just did that as a formality for their own BS. That's how that felt to me personally, because I was just like, what are you even investigating? Like nothing, nothing happened. Um, But I think they were just doing that to cover their own butts because it's a thing that went viral. That's all. Viral. Like, I don't know about the police in Colorado. Yeah, that's oh, just my opinion. Yeah, don't have a lot of resources to investigate anything. Um, there's not a lot of police investigations outside of TV. Uh, that's not a thing that really happens unless there's like someone hurt. Nonviolent crimes don't get investigated. That's just like not a thing. Um, apparently, unless it's celebrities going viral on Insta. Yeah, yeah, or something going viral on insta because it makes them look bad uh they think i don't i wasn't thinking about the police at all (laughs) personally no (laughs) i wasn't thinking this makes the colorado police look bad like i definitely was not thinking that they can Um, do enough to make themselves look bad yeah i mean i just think like i think it's ultimately good that john morant is taking some time um, and i do hope that he can curb some of this behavior uh, in the right direction because I just don't think surrounding yourself with this let's call it an energy let's call it an aura an you know aura. what I mean it's just not good for you it's just not yeah. good for you no doubt all right cool appreciate it um okay we have another serious topic before we get into Love our it. raptors talk um earlier this week there was a very heated debate about the MVP race uh Nikola Jokic currently uh you know some say a favorite to win his third MVP in a row something that is fairly unprecedented in NBA history uh Kendrick Perkins went on to say that he believes the voters have a racial bias uh and that is why he's getting this attention uh this debate also went viral it got heated um, also, ESPN has now issued a correction because during that rant, Kendrick Perkins said that 80 percent of the voting body for MVP is white. And that's not actually true. Now, I wasn't actually able to find what are the exact percentages, but yeah. the statement I read just says it's more diverse than he thought. So I don't actually know what that means. Um, but just for the sake of clarity here. Um, that part of his statement wasn't accurate. I mean, I think it's it's a very 
I think recognizing racial bias is always a valuable conversation to have. Um, but I want to know what you what you think. Like, what did you how did you feel when you saw all this? Yeah, it's again, there's so much wrapped up in it. Um, I think it in North America, probably in the world. I just don't know the culture of the world, but it definitely where we live. Um, racial bias is inextricable from society. Um, can't be separated. Um, so I think JJ Reddick going on first take, um, for example, and saying there's no racial bias. Um, I don't think you can make that claim about anything. Like if you're having any conversation where race is involved, you, you just can't assume it doesn't factor in. At the same time, I don't think there's any proof or evidence that Nikola Jokic is undeserved of an mm -hmm. MVP. So it, it creates this extremely ships in the night conversation where one side of the conversation says, well, race, racial bias is real, which is very true. And so dismissing it is ridiculous, which is very true. And the other side of the conversation says, Nikola Jokic is a deserving MVP. So what the hell are we talking about here? Which is also very true. And, and the two ships are just, they're way apart. There's no conversation because if they were actually speaking to each other, there would need to be some empirical uh, information about in what ways racial bias is impacting either Nikola Jokic as an MVP or Dirk Nowitzki or Steve Nash, who are, who are right, the three white MVPs of the last um, few decades. And I just think... Um, they're all extraordinary players. Mm -hmm. Nikola Jokic in particular, you know, you can you can quibble with Steve Nash. I think Dirk Nowitzki was an extremely deserving MVP. Um, Jokic is a deserving MVP. So to say people are voting for him because they're white is a ridiculous way to frame bias. And that's not how, you know, systemic racism works. It's, you know, it's very easy to say they're not racist. Well, no one's like the smart discussion isn't saying they're racist the smart discussion is like our 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 subconscious understanding of people influences decisions you know it's just it's just no one is having the conversation that matters that's real or is actually taking place with other people so we just end up with a bunch of people shouting at nothing <laughs> and i think a really important point about sports writers myself included is they know sports, but not a whole lot of, they're not equipped to report on other elements of the world. And so, you know, the when the George Floyd protests happened and a lot of the NBA players were, um, there was a lot of conversation about how to handle that within the NBA. Some players wanted to, to quit the bubble. Um, they ended up wearing jerseys with, with slogans on them and, and, and all sorts of other things, kneeling. Um, Basketball reporters had no idea how to report on that. It was actually kind of pathetic. Just the, the overall like ESPN broad um, debate about it was really juvenile. And I think a lot of the uh, actual reporters who understand race relations and, uh, and, and uh, you know, labor movements um, and anti-police protests, because a lot was wrapped up together going on in, in Minneapolis and elsewhere, um, had much more interesting things to say. Um, but it's just out of the frame of basketball. But 
not, but it's out of the frame of basketball writers. And I think we're seeing that now is like no basketball writer or reporter or talking head has anything interesting to say. Even though it's a, it's a worthwhile conversation, no one is having the conversation that's worthwhile. What's the conversation you would like to see? Uh, I think the conversation, very good question, by the way. The conversation is about in what ways, you know, race and subconscious bias does impact the world around us. Um, people aren't talking about, well, some people are, you know, I've seen some people talking, but in general, that's not what they're talking about on, on first take. They're talking about what percentage of voters are white or not white. Guess what? These subconscious biases impact all sorts of people. You don't have to be white to have white leaning worldviews. You see that all the time with police violence against non-white people. Oftentimes the police aren't white themselves. Um, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a complex thing to try to discuss how the world around us is impacted by our interior selves. Um, and I don't think any of the complexity is, is being shown. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I think, you know, it is really complex and it is hard to um, convey everything, especially on a show like First Take, where it's inherently designed for debate. Yeah, you know what I mean, and not necessarily because it's not a like, topic with a winner. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's not a topic. It's not about winning the conversation. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's greater than than sports. I mean, I do think if I you know if I bring this back to the NBA for a bit, I think the MVP award is so like subjective and abstract in a way that other awards are not. Um, right. Cause it's like, Oh, is it the best player or is it who's most valuable? And then people have different definitions of what it means to be valuable and, you know, how much should the, should playoff success matter for a regular season award and this and that where like it come, when something like defensive player of the year, it's just, okay, who played the best defense this year? Right. Like it doesn't get complicated by like, have they won a championship before? And like, what was their previous success and what were their numbers last year? And things like that. Like the MVP award gets so, in my opinion, unnecessarily complicated and convoluted. And I don't like how the goalpost for this award keeps shifting in terms of what people's Mm -hmm. individual criteria for it are. And I think when it be, when it is so subjective like that, you're leaving the the door open for people to think that there's something nefarious happening, right? Like racism. And I think if, if the award just had, a clear mandate behind it or clear criteria, I should say, in terms of like what actually qualifies for this award, like, like how much does leadership matter? How much does, you know, points matter? I mean, I know those things are like hard to equate and basketball is a highly nuanced sport. So there should always be room for some nuance. Absolutely. But I just feel like people need to know what this award is and it's a frustrating debate every year. And it's frustrating because so many sides ossify and just say, we're right. And if you don't agree with us, you're wrong, which, which um, really doesn't lend itself to productive conversation. Um, like, you know, for me, I, I have no trouble with Nikola Jokic winning the MVP award. Um, I think he's a deserving candidate. I also don't like if he doesn't win, I think if Giannis Antetokounmpo wins, I think he's also a very deserving candidate. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I think the concept of this person has to win because 
um, he has the highest EPM or because of his efficiency. That's, I think that's not like the award, as you say, is not defined. And so the definition is not, you have the best single number metric. I think that's not the definition of the award. No one ever said that's the award. Uh, and so you have the highest EPM VORP. People make fun of VORP because it's a funny word. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, a lot of the anti-metric guys say, whoa, you have the highest VORP. Cool, VORP. Ah. Um, that's uh, like people make fun of that from the analytics side. But there's truth to that. It's like, who said VORP wins the MVP? What, since when did the highest VORP win the MVP? Why is that? The what, what is VORP exactly? Just value over replacement player. It's just, it's a single number that says your contribution to winning is 20. Like it's 17, it's 30, whatever. It's just one number. It's so like an advanced over under. Yeah, it's basically. an advanced, it, it's an advanced step. Yeah. It's using over under and box, box score, box plus minus or win shares per 48, all, all these things. It's just one number saying you did this. But you're absolutely right. There's no definition. Um, and so by not defining it, you can have a conversation as varied as it's VORP or it's racial bias. And those two things, like how are you supposed to, how are those two things supposed to talk to each other? There's just no conversation between VORP and racial bias. Like it's just not a, a logical um uh, battlegrounds for conversation. Yeah, I also, you know, it's also uh, notoriously a, a highly narrative driven award. And I felt like yep. going into this season, everyone was basically like, this is Luca's award to take. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then he and then he didn't take it. Right. And then I think I mean, people, he's been scoring like I think he's, Luca's he's been a great playing player. His but, yeah. but I think I think the Dallas Mavericks as a team haven't achieved to the level that people thought they would this season to comfortably yeah. award him with it. And so now people started looking yeah. for other narratives. I think I, I actually think that's what happened. And that's why we're looking at Jokic for, for a third time, but maybe it was wrong for people to be looking at, at, at Luka Doncic as, as a huge favorite. I don't think it was wrong, but I'm just saying maybe we were just giving him just a touch too much credit right out the gate of, before the season even started. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, narrative is one of those things that you kind of have to wait for it to happen. Um, like Lucas scoring 33 a game, he's playing a great season by pretty much every possible definition of the word great. This is how um, we fight this white bias. We just give it to Luca. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I love that. But but he's not the leading scorer, right? His team's not in first in the West. And so where's the argument? Where's the narrative, right? It's, it's uh, I just, people have so much, they care so much. If people cared a little less about MVP, I think that would really help the conversation. <laughs> I actually think the, uh, the finals MVP should hold more weight personally like, i think it all should hold less weight i think everything should <laughs> okay, hold fair. less weight that's fair but minds. i think yeah, that's fair i mean i was saying that i think it should hold more weight in that more weight relative it, to the mvp yes that's what i Agreed. mean that's Agreed. what i mean more weight relative yeah. to the mvp because the mvp 
you know, everyone says it's not a regular season award, but it is because everyone's voting based on, yeah. or at least should be voting based on how the regular season went yeah, before the playoffs, happened. before the playoffs. So it's like you, how can you factor in all this playoff success if the playoffs haven't happened yet? So why not just structure it in a way where again, you're just cl- more, you're just clearly defining the MVP more. And what it is. And then you have a finals MVP, which is essentially the MVP of the playoffs. If the NBA stopped today, who do you think has a a larger contribution in, you know, in the history of the league, who's more valuable uh, Kawhi Leonard two-time finals MVP or Nikola Jokic two-time regular season MVP. Who's had a greater impact on the history of the league. Okay. That's just who, who, Okay. I framed it definitions. Who do you think is a better player if the league stopped today, right? Who had a better career? Um, well, I mean, the X you factor. To say the, no, no, no. The X factor to all. No, no, no. The X factor to all of that is because of injuries. Like Kawhi Leonard, his impact is less because of injuries. But you, so, you like, wanted to say finals MVP more important than MVP. Yeah. But now faced with two versus two. No, but you asked me who's the better player. Oh, but if the league ended today. That's I why I was confused. Who's had a better career? Yeah, Kawhi's right? had That's a better why... career. That's no oh, question. Okay. Kawhi's had a better career. But when you were asking me who's the better player today, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah, totally. say that. I framed, that it I framed it poorly. No, it's okay. Okay, so you stick to your guns. He's yeah. had a better career. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I think that is a, that's, you know what? I can't disagree with you. Uh, I think finals MVP should matter more, but if people were, but if everything mattered less, that would be great. If people were less willing to die for that belief though, (laughs) I would love that. I agree with you on that. I agree that if it all mattered a little less, that would be great. And if you if it mattered a little less, maybe people would listen to each other a little more. Because I think if, you know, if someone says maybe racial bias is impacting this conversation, maybe you could maybe that conversation could actually be had if people listened. And maybe people would listen if they weren't like, if Nikola Jokic is an MVP, then I will I will it's all explode, right? People care so much. And so the conversations can't even be had. Yeah, well, you know, not to get too philosophical here, but, you know, the economy of sports is people being irrationally, emotionally invested. That is the whole economy of sports. Stephen A didn't say that. I said that. No, no, his whole... Um, oh, his, his whole, whole thing is about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is working himself into... Um, yeah, but that is, but that's also fandom. Yeah. So and without fandom, fun. you don't have the whole thing anyway. Right. So maybe maybe I'm the one not making sense. That's actually a really good point. That we all have to be emotionally invested for this to work. Because yeah, because if you're not, the whole thing falls apart. But yeah. Very good point. Well, there we go. Uh, are you ready for so some? I'm Ra- left with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you ready for some Raptors talk? All yeah. right, let's do this. Fred Van Vliet, he went off last night. We're recording this on Thursday. As of this recording, I don't know the fines yet so i'm sorry we don't have that information as of this recording but we know it's coming i mean maybe i should just give it a quick google right now i don't think it's released yet 
yeah uh just to be because sometimes things happen while i'm recording um true we anyway. haven't been going a while so we all know the rant. I'm sure we all saw it. He went after, uh, specifically went after referee Ben Taylor um, for saying that his technical fouls uh, against him have been uh, egregious, have been out of hand. Uh, five out of his eight technical fouls um, that Fred has received this year have been given by Ben Taylor. So, or at least a game that Four. he has officiated. Yeah, five have come in games in which he's officiated. I think three were given by Ben Taylor. Okay, yeah, sorry, thank you. Yeah. Uh, three were given by him specifically, and five were during games that he officiated out of a total of eight. So he said he's taking it personally. And this is a very intriguing rant to me, not just because it's a player frustrated by the refs, but I really felt, even though there's a lot of expletives in it, that he gave this a lot of thought. I think Fred gave this rant a tremendous amount of thought before he said it, not just for the sake of taking the fine, but for making a point because he was incredibly poised. I felt during this whole, this whole thing, even though he's swearing, he's very poised throughout the whole thing. He knows exactly what he's saying. He still took accountability for losing the game itself. He wasn't, he made sure not to blame the refs for losing the game. Um, you know, he called this technical last night against the Clippers a, a momentum shift. I, I feel like that's slightly more debatable, but at least it was a momentum shift for him. Um, and yeah, I mean, across the board, like I don't usually look at the comments on things, but this was one where I really wanted to see what fans outside of our Raptors bubble thought or people outside of our Raptors bubble thought. A lot of people agree with him, like even players like I saw, like, I mean, Marcus Smart is a little notorious, but he kind of like spoke out defending Fred and like other people outside of our Raptors bubble, even after that Denver game. Yeah. Spoke out and we're defending the Raptors like these are these are bad calls. And so as a fan, I'm like, oh, that's nice to see. But you know, it's just tough because there's such a lack of account. Well, okay, lack of accountability for refs is that is that terrible to say? Well, there's no, there's a lack of public accountability, but there yes. actually is a lot of private accountability. Yes, um, refs do have grading curves, punishments. Um, they, so there actually is accountability for refs. Uh, we, yes. it's just not released to the public. And so, you know, it's just this frustration has been building up all season. Um. You know, I think one thing with, that was frustrating about this clip with Fred was that uh, it wasn't the whole clip that got yeah. shared, right? Because he had a response where he actually says what he said to the ref, which was basically like, come on, let's play through the BS. I yeah. think he's in that moment. He's just trying to pick up himself up. He's trying to pick up his teammates again. And to get a technical for that, I do feel is extreme. Like you need to be able yeah. to let players have some emotion out there. I agree with you. Um, I speaking about you know I think I actually do really respect Fred VanVleet's intellect. Um, I, I've I think he has really nuanced and thoughtful perspectives on things, um, and particularly actually during the George Floyd protests, I thought he was um, a real thought leader um, from the sports side of things. Um, so you know when Fred talks about things like this, I do listen. He can change my mind about a lot. Um, now this is something I actually, I, I don't buy into, um, systemic referee bias, um, or I didn't. So I, 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 
Well, I need to think about it more. Okay. Um, you know, we talk about sample size a lot when we talk about games. Uh, you know, one that I, three pointers, for example, particularly high variance things. This, the sample doesn't reflect someone's true 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 talent, like as a percentage until it po- 750 shots. They say um, the sample size of technicals for Fred Van Vliet is eight, and technicals, as we've seen, are a really high variance thing. Like. Would another ref give Van Vliet a technical for saying we need to play through the BS? And he actually said the word. We're saying BS. He didn't. Mm. Um, I don't know. So it's very high variance. And eight is not a lot. So I, I would need to be uh, convinced that there is a personal bias from Ben Taylor against Fred. But you know who would know that way better than me is Fred. Because yeah. he's the one <laughs> talking to the guy. Right? Like I'm not on the court. I don't hear yeah. the conversations. And refs and players have conversations all the time, all the time that we don't see. It's not always Luka Doncic or Scott, you know, turning around and yelling at them a lot, you know, in timeouts or whatever, they'll have very productive conversations about very specific moments on the court and they'll go back and forth and they'll say, Oh, you know what? I appreciate the explanation or the ref will say, you're right. I didn't actually notice that. I'll pay attention to that detail. That happens all the time. And so Fred's perspective is infinitely more valuable on this than mine. Right. And so um, when he says that he feels like there's a bias, I listen to that. Um, and the same thing, Scott Foster ejecting Scotty Barnes uh, after three or four calls, which I thought Nick Nurse spoke about really well. When you review a call like they did um, with, the, with the Scotty Jokic one, mm-hmm. it did not get overturned because there was contact. But – that's because they isolated that and spent 10 minutes looking at it. If they isolated every single other off ball screen in the game, guess what? There's contact in every single one of those as well. And so they're comparing the review to the rule book, whereas every other play they're comparing to the game itself. And so they're actually reviews are taken out of context rather than put into context, um, which I love that point from, from nurse. And that's why players get so frustrated because Scotty, when he's setting screens is getting hit. And then he, he tries to get through a screen and hits the guy and he's called for a foul when it wasn't a foul before, but they only review the one. So in general, I am a no ref talk guy because we, we don't have the perspective. It doesn't help the analysis, but I actually think this conversation has been quite interesting. I've learned a lot from nurses comments from, what happened to Barnes and from Van Vliet's comments. Um, I've learned a lot about player relations with refs. I did not know that five of Van Vliet's eight technicals came in games with Ben Taylor. I, I, I doubt many people knew that fact. Fred knew. And the fact that Fred knows really is important because their perspective on this is what matters, right? It's like when you get in a fight with a partner, you don't need to talk about the truth. All you need to talk about is your perspective of the truth because your perspective actually, if you feel like the person's be, you know, uh, undermining you, doesn't matter if they're undermining you, the way you feel really does matter in, in human relationships. And it's the same between players and refs. Um, and so this is, this is one of those things where I think my mind was changed a little bit from no ref talk to this is actually a productive ref talk conversation. Um, I don't, by that the Raptors have been unfairly penalized throughout the season. 
And Fred actually made a point of saying, look, the refs didn't lose that game for us. We lost that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, they did lose the game against the Clippers. That doesn't mean that they weren't, there wasn't an element of uphill battle um, with that technical, for example, because rhythm matters a lot. So, yeah, one of those things, I thought it was really interesting. Um, Fred's going to get fined. Oh, my God. He might get suspended. I was, was thinking crazy. that, too. I'm like, yeah. he could get suspended. I've never heard anyone talk like that. But I learned a lot. I'm happy he did. I mean, I'm not the one paying the fine, so I can say I'm happy. Um, maybe mm-hmm. he's not. But, uh, yeah, really, really interesting um, stats, perspectives, facts. Um, do you remember – this is going to be a tangent. Do you remember when Terrence Ross had his game-tying, buzzer-beating three-pointer called off because the the scorer started the clock like a fraction of a second late? No, that's buried somewhere deep in my. This brain. is a long time ago. Anyway, the the it was um I forget if it was home or away. The the timekeeper started the clock a fraction of a second late, and the refs were like, "Well, maybe if it had started on time, then the shot would have been late." So we're gonna call it late, which I've never heard this rule before. They waved off a game tying three, which is insane because if the, it had been started on time, maybe he would have got the shot up earlier if the clock had been sure. correct. Yeah, and it was uh, it to me. It's it still remains the least fair moment of refing I've ever seen in the NBA, and I'm including Tim Donahue's technicals against Tim Duncan, like <laughs> including the actual game fixing that happened. <laughs> the Terrence Ross three still is the thing that I'm most upset about. I don't think anything that's happened over the past three days with the Raptors is up to the Terrence Ross three-pointer because it didn't directly cost the game because like, it didn't so blatantly yeah yeah but it, it is still a worthwhile conversation and i've really enjoyed listening to fred and nick talk about it yeah i mean i do think again because it was so well thought out that it has sparked more interesting conversation yeah. than it is just someone being angry or frustrated it's like there's no real like rage in anything he's saying you know what i mean like that's that's what i mean like that's what makes it such a good frankly a good moment yeah. for him and a good look for him he's and why and thoughtfully yeah and that's why other like like other fans other players other journalists even like can can sympathize or like see his point of view because he he did put so much thought into it and so yeah i mean we still have yet to see what the consequences of that will be but i think his his frustration you know if it if it proves like if somebody goes through all the technicals and proves like this was valid this was valid this was valid and and then you kind of just throw up your hands and you're like well okay but at least i i agree with you it has sparked a very interesting conversation and we are learning more about um the relationships with the refs and and with replays as well and to compare to the mvp conversation this is not a first take show i mean it is now but fred didn't treat it like a first take show right and i think it is a more productive conversation because it's actually being held thoughtfully um and the the all, all technicals I should say are reviewed um, by the league. All fouls, everything that goes in a box score is reviewed by the league. Um, there's levels of of um um what what did you say for, accountability? There's levels of accountability, but I think what's they review what does happen. They don't review what doesn't happen. And so Fred Van Vliet, I you know got a technical from 
Ben Taylor for throwing the ball into the stanchion. Not hard, not with anger. Right. Uh, by the letter of the law, that's a technical. And so it wasn't rescinded, right? They, they, they re- called that a correct technical. But how many players throw the ball into the stanchion without anger Yeah. and don't get a technical? They compare it against what happens. They don't compare it against what doesn't happen. And I think that to me is what I, really I've been thinking about that Nick said and that Fred's been thinking about as well. Yeah, because that play that you're talking about, um, I think the show Tim and Friends shared that clip again this morning. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, earlier in the season, was it? I think it was against the Hawks where like he, th- he threw the ball against the stanchion, but it was really almost like he was trying to regain his balance. Like I can't yeah. even say it was a pro- it wasn't even a throw. It was more like a toss. Yeah, it didn't uh, look like anger was involved. Yeah, in any way. And so, yeah, it's kind of like an extreme use of the of the rule. Like even yeah. with Scotty um, against the Nuggets, it's like he got it ejected from one comment. Yeah. As opposed to technical. I've never seen that before. Right. As opposed to a technical foul or even just like a, hey, watch it, buddy. Like, hey, and, come and on, man. Scotty's like, a sophomore. Yes. Yeah. Can take players aside and say, look, um, you can't do that. That happens again. I'm ejecting. Like, that's a thing that happens all the time, especially yeah. with young players. And so why didn't that happen, right? Exactly. And why, exactly why did Scotty get ejected rather than a quick aside between them, a human conversation, which happens in every other conversation? And, and, and so uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot to it. And I think the Nuggets game really did feel like Scott Foster finished the game. Yes, the Raptors, before Scott Foster finished the game, the Raptors were up by a point. Um, they said Fred should not have had the free throws uh, in the last two-minute report, which, fine. The Raptors were down by a point before Scott Foster took over. The last seven points of the game were five free throws given by Scott Foster and then two free throws from an intentional foul. That's insane. The, the game didn't get to end. Like, maybe the Raptors do lose to the Nuggets. They're an exceptional team in the clutch. Nikola Jokic is the best player on the floor. I I think the Raptors would have lost. Momentum had the Nuggets ahead. But the game didn't happen. Like, that that to me was just extraordinarily frustrating. I had a piece to write. I couldn't publish it. Because there's nothing to analyze about a game without an ending. Right. Uh, very frustrating moment. I into the players, like I, I couldn't imagine. They're so much more invested than I am. Uh, they must have been fuming. Yeah, I mean, it was clear that this frustration was boiling over. Like, I was surprised that somebody didn't do that. Not this exactly, but some type of a rant after the Denver game. And I think, you know, there's a clip of Fred being like, "I'm gonna save my money," and then, and then two yeah. days later, he's like, "I'll take the fine," you know. But um, yeah, I, you know, let's take a look at this Raptors team now. Um, after this, after the stretch of games here, you know, last week I was trying to be more enthusiastic about the sixth seed, but now we've lost a few in a row here. How do you feel about this team and our play-in uh, perspectives here now? I think they are, at this point, maybe as good as they were last season. Um, last season, they were a good team. You know, four, I think 49 wins, uh, the fifth seed. They were a good team last year. Uh, 
But they couldn't have reeled off a 10-game winning streak on command last season. That's just not something they were capable of doing. Right. Uh, and this year, with Pirtle in tow, they kind of need to do – like they need to – they said, oh, we need a huge winning streak or we're in the play-in. And they're not able to go on a huge winning streak. You know, they, they lost a game to Utah – um, the first game with Pirtle, where Pirtle didn't play great. He was still, he seemed nervous. Um, but that they shouldn't have lost. They, they just collapsed. Yeah, that game was brutal, yeah. That was a rough game. Then they won a bunch of games in a row. And then, you know, they, then they lost um, some games where they didn't play great. That happens. That's what they did last year. They couldn't win on command. They had down games last year. And look, they lost to Denver last year. They lost to the Clippers last year. And so, you know, I think they're a good team. I think... If they took this roster and started the season again, they're they're winning between 45 and 50 games with Pirtle on the roster. But they're starting so far behind the eight ball with so much baggage in terms of we need this. It's easy to win when you're starting on an even footing. When you're starting, we need this win. It's way harder to win. Uh, and so they're just, they're set back so much that, yeah, I think they're really good, not good enough to win on command, not as good as teams like Denver or the Clippers. Um, and we're seeing that. So, you know, they're probably going to close out the season quite well. I do think they're going to go to the playoffs. They're still going to have disappointing losses because they had that last year too. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the Knicks were winning a lot. And then I was trying to have in my mind, I was trying to have a fantasy where we face the Knicks in the first round. (laughs) That would have to be, uh, I was trying to to talk myself into that fantasy, but I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I do think that's where we're at. I mean, I will say, you know, in terms of like the portal trade happening, like, I mean, I was never team tank during all those conversations, but we were like consistently 12th in the East for a long time there. And now with the portal trade, we are, I believe we're ninth right now, Um, but only one back behind eighth. And this one move alone has drastically helped us. It really yeah. has. Like we needed, we just needed a, a starting center, and yeah, and it just Pirtle's took so long line. to find one. Yeah. So I mean, and I just feel like we are so much better off than we were. Um, even though some of these games have been frustrating, we've been in these games more than we have been, and I I don't know. I still. Uh, I mean, I definitely still think we're going to be in the play in. I'm not looking at the sixth seed like I was a week ago. I mean, the Nets have won three in a row mm-hmm. um, after losing four in a row. So they've clearly figured something out here. And we do have a tough schedule. I'm going to be at the at the Nuggets game next week in person just for fun. Nuggets revenge Amazing. game. Didn't know. Didn't know it was going to be a revenge game. But now it feels like Nuggets revenge game. Do we know who's refing? No, I don't know how Joke, to look. Joking. I don't know how to look that up. <laughs> um, I yeah, I don't know if that's announced ahead of this far ahead of time. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are very frustrated, and the Raptors still remain a team with flaws. Obviously, big flaws. Like they're not a championship contender, and I think um, there's there's a big space between this team is a lot better, and this team is fixed. 
Like there's there's a huge space in between there, and the Raptors are smack dab in the middle. They're not fixed. They, there's still a lot of issues. They need shooting. They need rim pressure. They need more guards. Um, you know, they they need um, the defense has been better. Could tighten up. Still too many blow buys. Pointed like I could go on and on and on the rotation. Um, mm. And yet they're still good. There's I would you know they're still probably an above five hundred team. Uh, they're way more fun to watch. Just the the experience of watching them is completely different. Yeah. Like if we get to a point where we're 500 this season, I'm going to be so proud of us. Yeah. Because that is really turning things around. Yeah. They're 30. um, Yeah. Three games back. 32 and 35. Um, I I assume like I would, I would bet they're going to reach 500, right? Three games back with a month left to play they're they're gonna reach 500 yeah i just it, it just feels like such a maybe i'm over I'm, oh, I'm overstating it but it just feels like a huge accomplishment compared to where we were uh literally in january absolutely Completely yeah agree. uh lewis it is time for our raptors hottie highlight of the week and you know but it, it was gonna actually go back to nick nurse because he's in a sun life commercial <laughs> big but shot. but uh after last night's rant i'm sorry it's fred it's fred and it is this rant that we have also just ranted about for a solid 10 minutes mm-hmm. uh you know call it my toxic trait i don't care you know i woke up to it this morning timeline full and i was like this is hot so (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure not the only one who thought that so fred van vliet you get my my raptors hottie highlight of the week congrats being emotional but expressing it unemotionally is a cool move yeah i agree it's a boss move that's Uh, that's and here's being a hope, boss is hot. Here, yeah, here's hoping that he doesn't actually get suspended or something. But, you know, we'll see. I, I hate that we don't have that info in time of this recording, which is on Thursday afternoon. But uh, this episode comes out every Friday. Uh, thank you, Lewis, so much for joining me this week. We had a lot of very thoughtful, philosophical conversations, which I really appreciate. Uh, some weeks are really lighthearted and some weeks are, are a bit more serious. So I appreciate all your, all your insights. Yeah. Pleasure. I mean, all, I, I don't talk about this stuff on social media because uh, character count and you just can't have, I, I, I haven't found an ability to have that conversation in an interesting, enjoyable and productive manner. Um, so really, really nice to be able to talk with you about it in an interesting, enjoyable and productive manner. Oh, well, anytime. Uh, Luz, I'm sure uh, all our listeners already know where, what you're up to and where to find you. But if anyone doesn't, let us know where we can find you and what you're up to. Uh, Are we frozen? Sorry. Uh, yeah, my, my, I, um, no, my, I had to think about this. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> just my name, Lewis Zatzman. You can see it right there. Uh, right for 538. I'm going to be doing some college coverage coming up for March Madness, which is really exciting. Um, I write about the Milwaukee Bucks as well for the Bucks. Um, I have a piece I'm going to be posting on my Twitter as soon as this episode is, well, yesterday, because this comes out tomorrow, <laughs> uh, about the winning streak. So yeah, lots of really cool, fun stuff uh, going on. 
Amazing. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. An absolute pleasure and joy. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks. Take care. Bye.